Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, be that iTunes or Spotify or TuneIn, uh, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Now, joining me as always is our Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson, and today we are celebrating a very very important 30th birthday of whom or what now yeah well it is the 30th uh 30th birthday of the world wide web and its daddy is tim berners lee how's he feeling about it sir tim berners lee uh yeah every year he writes sort of a an open letter to the to the world about the state of the web and where he sees it going and this sort of thing and he's been part of a campaign called the web we want uh which sort of said gives you an idea of where what his opinions are at the moment um and this year's letter had a real tone of melancholy about it that there was this sense that the the web really wasn't uh, fulfilling its potential and he looks at some specific examples so he looked at things like you know hacking uh, harassment uh, which God knows have have been tremendous problems over the last few years. He looks at bad systems design, especially commercial models that re- rely on things like clickbait and have no real value to to the consumer. Uh, and he also looks like uh, looked at um, the unintended consequences of platforms. Uh, for example, you know how people talk to each other and how that filters down into the real world. So I think uh, there have been some really good examples of that over the last few years. Uh, there's been Brexit. Uh, and there's been the Trump administration. And I talked I talk to a friend of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago who who was over from the States on holiday. And he said that at the moment in America, the discourse is so toxic, like people hate each other. You know, they hate each other mm-hmm. based on which side of the the Trump line they're, mm-hmm. that they're on. Now, some of this, I'm possibly an awful lot of this, you can uh, ascribe to growing um, economic inequality where, you know, the rich are getting incredibly rich and the poor are really feeling that they've been left out and Trump is the guy to redress the balance. Um, it's it's magnified, uh, some would say, uh, I think amplified is, is the term, uh, on platforms like Twitter where you have... Um, an awful lot of tension fermented, um, not just by people that are very passionate on both sides of the argument, but by, you know, trolls without profile pictures who have 10 followers and their username is, you know, great guy 346295, which is, uh, you know, a troll account mm. controlled by the Internet Research Agency in, in Russia, you know? The, this sort of thing is going on. It's just amplifying this toxic discourse, which may or may not uh, be filtering into the real world. But I mean, people are definitely um, it's it's happening concurrently that people in the States and people uh, in England over the Brexit debate hmm. are increasingly polarized, don't want to listen to each other and spend the, you know, when it comes to talking about these things, just snipe and shout and hmm. this sort of thing, that it's a very coarse experience. Um Similarly, if you look at uh, the likes of Reddit, uh, that can be an awful cesspool, depending on on which thread you're on. Um, Compare and contrast with boards where there's a very strict moderation policy and people are generally quite quite respectful. So we're we're in the stage where, for me anyway, the best and worst of the Internet are largely the same things 
would you care to agree uh yes actually uh i i i would i would not agree with tim berners lee uh, uh with him being so downhearted and thinking that the internet is is the reason why so many things are terrible the internet doesn't help all right um but i think it instead of saying that the internet is the reason things are at fault i think the reason why we have the situation we have with the uk and brexit and and in the states and stuff like that is more human nature and mm. that is kind of amplified or not helped by the internet, if you like. But then again, there were massive society changes in society uh, when the printing press was invented, and there were massive changes in society when when the telegraph was invented and radio broadcasting and stuff like that. So the internet is another thing along that line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what you're talking about there are effectively barriers to entry, and you know how. Things have been freed up progressively. There's been, you know, a, a singularity point at which you go, oh, right, something has changed and changed utterly. And I think the printing press is a fantastic example where, you know, all of a sudden you, you gave people the capacity to do their own newsletters or posters or whatever mm. um, and, and just disseminate messages um, in a, a comparatively, I, I guess, mm. uh, economical manner. Now we have reached uh, the point of the Internet where pretty much anyone can do anything um, you know, uh, that's again, that's a simplification. Well, I, yeah, no, you're you're right, and and, and I agree. And we've talked about this uh, many times about the the barrier of entry has been lowered, which is one of the best things about the internet. And again, it's one of the worst things about the internet because it does it's a it's a real enabler to allow many, many, many more people to be able to you know, design websites, put their own magazines online, to do their own videos, to communicate, to speak to a wider audience, et cetera, and so on. Um, but then the worst thing about the internet is that barrier of entry is is so low that any idiot can get on to it. <laughs> and it's, okay, like pod- and we'll- it's like podcasting when it started off, okay? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, the whole thing about pie, I'm, God knows, we were there. <laughs> All we right, there. We, we, we've gone that long. Um, and it was kind of like, oh, brilliant, we, we can do a radio show about uh, tech stuff in Ireland. And then I remember when podcasting started, do you remember there were like couples then, they talk about sex therapy or something like that, and, and they would literally just record it on their kitchen table? Mm. Yeah, And there were people talking about, oh, I can't remember the half the amount of uh, topics, but there was an awful lot of pure drudge, terrible stuff mm, out yeah. there. P- podcasts that were like an hour, an hour and a half long because it was somebody who'd gotten the microphone and rambled for an hour and a half. Um, yeah. So th- that's the bad side of it. Whereas I think the professional side of it, then you saw uh, people who would consider what it is, the content that they're going to put out there and they would edit it down and they would make it consistent and, and at a professional level, much as we do here. Uh, yeah. And I think it's interesting that when you look at a lot of the most popular podcasts at the moment, way more than half of them are by existing radio broadcasters. Yeah. And I think we're in a very interesting stage in that we've seen a medium grow up, but mm. we have done it from the perspective of professionals uh, in the media. Mm. So we've been able to watch this new style of storytelling that we've had with the likes of Serial and S-Town and all, all these sort of things mm. um, and go, wow, OK, podcasting is it's really found its own footing. You can say I'm listening to a podcast and it comes with its own um, understanding what it's going to be. It's going to be something that's left of centre, uh, something that's going to be hyper local. And things that we were there uh, and going, do you know what? Let's do a tech show about things that are happening in Ireland. Hmm. Uh, let's make that our, our thing. And there wouldn't have been 
a tremendous audience for it at the time. Uh, on a global scale, comparatively, maybe there still isn't a, a tremendous audience for it. But we have an audience and we serve it. And when we talk to people, they're most complimentary and that makes us very happy. But having that low barrier to entry has really helped us as media professionals to put together and pitch and sell a show. Uh, but there is the flip side to it where, yes, you still have shows that are two guys sitting across the table and sometimes the content is really good because there's nobody else doing anything like it or sometimes it's really weak and it just shows up the entire medium in mm. a bad light. Well, I suppose it's like anything else, you know, the cream will rise to the top. I, I just find the the pity these days with computers is that there is very little value put on a person's uh, time or their skill or their experience. And it's kind of like, you know, kind of with a, a web designer or somebody who does videos these days. It's like literally somebody was asking me about a, a video thing and they said, ah, sure, there's nothing uh, to that. I'll just rock up with my phone and I'll take a couple of uh, moving pictures with, with that, slap it together and stick it on the internet. And I'm like just holding my head in my hands going, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and another point that we have to raise, and it's something that all the big tech companies are finally coming around to, is regulation. That, you know, as professionals in our field, we face, you know, the wrath of mm. a, a regulator, Right. If we do or say something stupid, we are accountable. Uh, now, you're, you're talking about traditional media. So, you know, traditional we, media. Th- th- this program is broadcast on RT. So there are certain standards that we have. So we're not going to be effing and cursing our, our way through this program, amongst uh, other things. Uh, it's like, you know, with the, the magazines and everything that, that the, you publish with uh, Media Central and stuff like that. There are certain qualities and standards that need to be adhered to. There's certain things that you can't say. Because, again, you'll have a regulator and then there's advertising standards and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that does not exist online. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, again, that's that's for good or ill. If you're doing something that's uh, very niche but very well produced, mm. fantastic. Um, however, you, you have situations where um, people really are just putting out stuff that's kind of a load of rubbish. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck with that. So when you look at the best and worst of the Internet... It is it is that ability to reach people, but it's also the ability to reach people with a poorly thought out message, with a bad product uh, or, or in bad or, faith. Or even more dangerous, it's a, a way of reaching out to people with a professionally put together product and well thought out product that is maybe not necessarily used for the common good. Uh, and I'm thinking of InfoWars website. <laughs> yeah, that, which is kind of reasonably put together and stuff. Like that. Anyway, but the, 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 we're getting into a whole thing about, the, you know, the best and the worst and the barrier of entry and stuff like that on the Internet. Uh, and it is the Internet's 30th birthday. So very quickly, what would you say is the best thing about the Internet and the worst thing about the Internet? Goodness. And, and I had to think about this. And it's really weird that in an age where, you know, we love user generated content mm. and we spend hours on YouTube. Mm. I know I do. We spend hours on Netflix. I know I do. Uh, and we look at competing streaming services. When you boil down what you use the Internet for, um, it's it's a method of communication. And that still, for me, boils down to email um, and you know, it also happens to be the worst thing about the Internet if you look at the quality of your inbox. Um, but that idea 
of just being able to contact someone point to point and share an idea mm. or do business, that sort of thing. <laughs> it's still, it is still <laughs> the founding benefit of the internet. Do you know, do you know what? I'm, I'm absolutely laughing and smiling to myself here because I have down best thing about the internet, email, and worst thing about the internet, Email. <laughs> Same as yourself. It's my so take, weird. My take on it is that uh, the, on the good side of email, it's brilliant for conveying data and for information or for sending files over or, or backing up stuff that you've had. The worst thing is that a lot of people now use it for conversation and it seems to be kind of like we don't talk to each other anymore. We now do it by email. And what I find more and more happening is I'm sending someone a message and then I'm getting a reply a couple of hours later or even worse, a day or two later. And it's like, if we actually sat down and had a meeting <laughs> to yeah. get X, whatever it was done, it will be done in 20 minutes. But no, yeah, now but, it's but taking I'm looking three at days. In comparison with um, messaging apps like Facebook Messenger or Instagram, uh, well, not so much Instagram, it's social mm. network, but uh, WhatsApp, which trades on end-to-end encryption, which is something we're going to be hearing about an awful lot more based on Facebook's plans. Um and that kind of thing, where the instant messaging alternatives, Slack, I think, is a good example as well. Um, there's still variations on the theme of connecting people and the quality of that connection and the idea of that connection still mm. filters back to Facebook. I mean, I, sorry, still filters back to email. Uh, it's It's that core concept of finding a way to connect mm. people. And sometimes it's going to be of very good quality and a lot of times it's not. Now, without giving anything away, uh, you uh, you remember being 30. <laughs> I do. I also remember being 30. The internet is uh, now turned 30. And I think it would be fair to say that when you're 30 years of age, you're just kind of getting to grips with what it's all about, but you're not there yet. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And that would be a fair assumption to say with the internet as well, Yes. Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, we're we're at childhood end with the uh, with the internet. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> as I keep explaining to people, men never grow old uh, or never grow up. I should say, um, we, we yeah, grow but- flabby. <laughs> 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 That's it. <laughs> what? It become mature and intelligent? Uh, you're into your 60s before that happens. Mm. Um, other news that is happening uh, this week. Now, one of my favourite websites is uh, is it down for everyone or just me dot com. Um, mm-hmm. But I just could be bothered typing that in. So generally I type in uh, Google. If, if my internet is not working, I just go Google dot com. OK, yeah, I'm still online. But Google mm. itself was offline during the week. I know. That's not, that's, that's a weird thing. What happened? That's crazy. I mean, for a lot of people, Google is the internet. Uh, I think it's Tuesday, um, the Monday or Tuesday. Google had a, a brief outage where, you know, uh, access to Gmail was non-existent or very slow. Uh, similarly with Google Maps, similarly with Google Drive. Now, if you think about how much of your online life is through Google, um, how much of your, you know, business personal life Dusty would have been uh, affected. I mean, some some people were were posting on Twitter because internet mm. that uh, thank you Google. Now I don't have to talk to anyone for the day, or thank you Google. Now I can go home, etc. Mm. What is your take? Do does does this show up that Google have too much of our online lives? Well, uh, personally speaking, no. <clears throat> Because okay. uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on it that much. Um, but it kind of does show. It, I know it would be for a lot of people. And when you think about, well, what if I didn't have the internet for a week? Now that would be a problem. 
all right? But yeah. it wouldn't be insurmountable. But what if I didn't have my computer for a week? Mm. Okay. I'd be completely scuppered. Mm. Well, I had the benefit of a holiday uh, quite recently. My first proper holiday in years, believe it or not. And uh, I made a policy of unplugging. Just do it. Uh, try. And how I, I, are you? How are you without computers and internet and the whole thing for, for the week or so? I, ju- I just had a smartphone with me and uh, I actually a, a small iPad as well. And... And, and, and maybe just a mini, and, and, and a mini laptop and a, yeah. and a, a bit of a high speed four uh, G connection. But but we had we had <laughs> devices that we thought we would use. So you down right? you downscaled your activity for a week. We downscaled, but you okay. know what? what? We downscaled an awful lot. My um, screen time thing came back, and it was down forty percent for the week. Wow, that's not bad. And you're feeling better after it. Yeah, I'm feeling better that we managed even that much um now granted like a lot of our screen time i think is spent casting to um to tv so that was probably (gasps) probably just meant you weren't casting (laughs) Uh, possibly now listen uh, i was going to squeeze in a a story about um uh, elizabeth warren the uh, u.s presidential candidate putting ads Mm. on facebook saying that if she's elected she's going to get rid of facebook (laughs) and then facebook pull the ads and and all that kind of stuff but listen read about that on the uh, on the website at uh, techcentral.ie we're slightly running tight for time uh you were talking about casting stuff i just wanted to let you know that on netflix i watch there's a new science fiction movie up there called life which is the storyline is because you and i both like uh, sci-fi movies is that uh, 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 soil samples are coming back from mars Uh, they're taken on to the international space station where they end up growing life from mars and then it progresses along an alien line of uh, 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 things but i was halfway through the movie and i won't say that i was behind the couch but i was feeling quite tense and i went oh hang on a minute this this movie is quite good there you go (laughs) because especially it's like you know can do you remember the days where it went straight to video or straight to dvd something that goes straight onto netflix i've kind of got i don't have much time for but i'll watch it anyway my wife thinks i'm absolutely nuts she goes so you think it's going to be rubbish but you're going to watch it anyway and i go yeah but it's sci-fi you never know Mm. um but what i just want to share with you was that this movie is called life it's on netflix and i watched it and i was actually really surprised at how good it was i shall watch it there you go there you go (laughs) listen that's our news for this week thanks Niall this is tech central your weekly tech podcast from ireland's techcentral.ie every day we hear about another application on the internet of things some useful some not so much one irish company that caught our eye recently is safecility which is looking to make building managers lives easier by automating the process of fire safety testing and compliance now i had a chat with their founder and ceo keen o'flaherty to find out more I guess people are very enthusiastic about uh, smart homes and smart technology as it's it's being brought into the home. But people are uh, associating it still very much with, you know, um, the likes of Alexa or clapping lights or, or this sort of thing. But you're looking at automation from a home safety and a building's compliance perspective. So tell me a little bit about what Safecility does. Uh, hi, Niall. Yeah, we what we do is we automate the fire safety compliance testing 
for uh, non-residential buildings. In a nutshell, every building that's not a house, uh, a domestic dwelling, has to comply with fire safety laws. On an ongoing basis, they have to test fire alarms and emergency lighting, sprinklers, fire extinguishers. This is usually done on a weekly, a quarterly and an annual basis. So while uh, a building might cost X million to build, it costs another X million to maintain. And uh, over the course of the last year, we've built a product uh, in safe facility that cuts the cost of maintenance by 50% over the five years uh, after a, a building is, is built or after our system is installed in a building uh, compared to uh, manual inspection and testing. I think anyone who lives in an apartment block or any sort of densely uh, populated area will be familiar with uh, the travails of the technicians who at the moment go around and, and test uh, fire safety systems. Either they've got a, a fairly unsophisticated you know, rod that they they poke up at the at the test button, or they've got something that that looks like a, a can on the end of a stick that tests the the temperature. Um, one of the major problems, of course, of course, is having technicians gain access to these buildings in the first place. But your technology sort of solves this uh, problem in the first place. Exactly. So, so what we discovered, uh, we we embarked on on building safe facility last uh, last May and June, as part of the Ireland Funds business plan competition, and we had to do discovery with over forty potential clients to to do you know really in depth research on the kind of problems that they were having, and what we discovered is that the. The, the really low-fi, low-tech ways that, that this work is being carried out is an enormous pain. Um, as you say, everybody is familiar with the technician knocking on a Saturday morning, trying to get access because most people are home on a Saturday morning. Um, lack of access is a huge is a huge problem. And the systems themselves look pretty rudimentary to be tested, you know, with, with, with sticks and, and various just uh, sheets of paper to log where you have and haven't tested. So what we've enabled uh, through our smart sensors and our cloud platform is that the devices can report on themselves. The test sequences can be triggered from uh, the responsible person's office, whether that's, you know, in the same city, the same country, it doesn't really matter. Um, And it can be triggered to thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of devices across buildings. And the devices can report on themselves. They'll tell you that they're operating normally, that in the event of a fire, you know, they'll detect it or they'll help the residents to get out quickly and safely. Um, and that everything is up to standard as laid down in the law. That saves thousands to millions of technician hours uh, traveling between sites, which is an environmental cost, uh, trying to interrupt people's you know weekends or daily lives to get access to the building and ensuring that you have 100% coverage and data coming back from your building. The quality of data that used to come back was uh, anywhere from 60% of our clients were using paper and pen. That data had to be put into a spreadsheet and interpreted to try and figure out what is and isn't working, which is incredibly labor intensive. Um, Some were using iPads and and, and tablets, but even then, if they didn't have access to the full suite of devices, you weren't carrying out a full battery of tests. So we solve multiple layers of the problem for for building owners in order to keep um, the buildings safer for tenants and cheaper to operate for owners. Uh, And from a regulatory point of view, you know, a city or a municipality can be confident of a far higher uh, rate of safety uh, of buildings in the in the uh, in the cities. That's that's very impressive. But for the guy on the ground, uh, 
this might be quite uh, disconcerting. One of the things that we keep hearing about the idea of the future of work is that greater automation uh, will effectively lead to, you know, repetitive or quite simple jobs disappearing. Mm-hmm. So how do you see the role of t- the technician changing? Are, are we going to see, f- you know, fewer guys uh on-site conducting yeah. tests? You know, we were fascinated by this too. I, I, I suspected, you know, three or four months ago we were going to be one of these bogey companies that, that were replacing jobs with, with sensors and machines. But what we learned is that our, cl- our customers have usually got an enormous number of, of jobs, either their repairs, maintenance jobs, asset work that have to be done, and that these are being relegated uh, because of the legal requirement to go out and test and inspect uh, fire safety systems. So one of our clients in the UK has 25,000 uh, units. They're a social landlord. Um, and they're being able to redeploy the technicians who are fully qualified, have done apprenticeship and training, and at the moment are you know just driving the van and filling out the forms for the tests. They can be redeployed to proper asset maintenance repairs and to give a better experience to their tenants. So it's a win-win for them because they're fully compliant, improved compliance and they're getting to uh, address problems much more quickly as tenants raise them um so a better living environment for everybody uh, and a safer one too uh you mentioned uh there about your your customer base at the moment uh which sounds like you're doing as well if not better outside of ireland as uh, as within as a startup how valuable have supports from the likes of Enterprise Ireland uh, or the Ireland, fun- Ireland Funds, etc., uh, been to establishing your business and growing it? Huge. They, they've been hugely supportive. We, we started this business in the Ireland Funds business plan competition. Um, we came in uh, and, and were intensively drilled on how to do customer discovery, not just on on the talk about what it is, but actually given a a methodology, a framework of questions and how to analyze the data. And when we left that competition, we had a plan to to get from uh, concept to 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 trials. Uh, it was a we were able to to talk to our customers in language that they knew and understood, and they could get our solution quickly. From that, we were able to apply for and win um, SBIR or small business innovation contracts that are sponsored by uh, Enterprise Ireland, but they're paid uh, research contracts or innovation contracts with uh, Limerick City and with Dunleary, and they provided a revenue stream that give us the space to to grow our business and to put our solutions in place in real live environments um, and gain real insights into how people would use them and how regulators would respond to them. So the supports have been invaluable and, you know, challenges uh, in terms of public sector challenges, like uh, how do you help us solve these problems, really gave us a focus, a customer focus uh, and and a, a method to building a product that we knew that the market, you know, would require. And that was Keen O'Flaherty, founder and CEO of SafeCility. If you have an idea that you think has the same kind of potential, the Ireland Fund and NDRC have opened entries for this year's business plan competition. For more information on that, you can visit techcentral.ie. Now, that's almost it for our show this week. But just before we go, Niall, do we have one more thing that we weren't able to squeeze in on the podcast? That is not the anti-Facebook Facebook ads. That is not the anti-Facebook Facebook ads. Well, one story that you might like to take a look at mm-hmm. is the rumour mill surrounding Apple's foray into AR glasses. Oh, 
I love rumours. You can get the lowdown on those and all things tech in Ireland and around the world with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more on our website at techcentral.ie or of course listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Next time, from myself, Dusty Rose, thanks so much for listening and from Niall as well. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.